Courtney struggles with this a lot, <laughs> but um, it says uh, probably would too if I was married to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful about that, God, honestly. My family life is best when I'm being faithful to God and being sacrificial for my family, for my wife or for my kids, and when I'm not expecting something in return. So again, that's all hinging on me and my relationship with God and my attitude, not them, to where I'm loving my wife well. You know, I'm loving my kids how I'm supposed to, because Scripture tells, the speaking like to men, us to sacrifice, just as Christ sacrificed for His church. Hey, everyone! There, this is uh, Pastors of the Roundtable. It's uh, good to be with you today, um, as we sit around the table and we're here to to chat again about some uh, some cool stuff about the Screw Tape Letters. Um, today to talk about the book and uh, talk about letter three here today. Uh, sitting around the table with me today, I've got uh, lead pastor of MNBC, Tim Iko Angeli. I've got music and media pastor, Matt Bates. Our family pastor, Scott Slater, is not with us right at this moment, but he usually joins us. And my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Monroe Missionary Baptist Church in Monroe, Michigan. And our podcast here is Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, We've been going through together, if you've been uh, joining us and been listening, we've been going through the screw tape letters written by C.S. Lewis, the uh, Christian writer. And we've spent a couple weeks right now in the screw tape letters looking at letter one and letter two. And this week we want to dive into letter three. Um, if you're if you've been joining us, you know that uh, the Screw Tape Letters is a, a fictional book. It's a piece of, of satire, so it's kind of uh, got some comedy to it, some some uh, uh, humorous elements to it, as well as um, uh, some interesting uh, spiritual uh, truth found in it as well. It's not an inspired book by any means, and no one should take it to to be uh, the uh, the final truth about what demons think, what demons talk about, or stuff like that. But it's a helpful book of of, uh, of uh, talking about spiritual truths and spiritual realities written by C.S. Lewis. So as you know, it's written, it's a book based upon a premise of screw tape. He's writing to his uh, junior demon tempter, Wormwood. Both of these guys are, are demons, and they're writing about how best to tempt a man who has become a Christian now And so now they're trying to tempt him to lead him to sin and maybe to lead him away from the true faith if they can. And last week in letter two, we saw how um, this man, they were trying to use the church in order to tempt and deceive this this Christian man. But now uh, Wormwood is being written to by Screwtape, and now he's going to tell him about how he can use his family life. And in particular, uh, this young man, this man's relationship with his mother, uh, in order to tempt him and to lead him astray uh, from the, the true faith. Um, so that's what Screwtape is going to write about today in letter three. So guys, um, before we dive in, any um, thoughts about what we've been doing here with the Screwtape letters or about letter three? Any initial thoughts before we dive in? Uh, nothing too intense, I guess. I just, I enjoy reading this book. Really, it's an easy read. It's very 
short chapters. I mean, honestly, when I got in my office, I grabbed this book, started walking up here in the balcony where we do it, and I read over half of this chapter in that amount of time. Right. I'm not that slow of a walker. So, right. I mean, it's definitely a, a doable thing. And as you said, we're not doing this because we think it's infallible or anything like right. that. We just think this is fun, right? It's a fun little book to read. It does have some humorous stuff, but it also makes you be kind of introspective of of yourself. And um, this chapter that we're about to talk about, chapter three, should hit home, I think, t- for all of us because it's dealing with home life right? and the people who you're around. Now, some people who listen might live by themselves, sure, but still they have friends that maybe they could see some of this come through with or if you live with your parents or if you live with your husband or your wife and kids i think this is was pretty applicable yeah i think so too i think it can be really helpful um as we think about our christian lives if we're honest i think we have all fallen into all these traps at one point in our lives (laughs) with a different person or so yeah yeah no i think this is is, that's the thing that makes it so funny yeah yeah because it's so true (laughs) it's so true duh you feel like wiley coyote like yeah (laughs) don't stand on the x you know something's gonna happen oh he did it again but when you read this it's like that's me yeah (laughs) constantly go to the x i know (laughs) walk right into it (laughs) okay all right so let's let's go and dive into it so uh, screw tapes writing to Wormwood. He opens up and tells him, you know, um, because your man's a Christian now, and he talks about the enemy, by, by that he means the true God, yeah. is going to try to more and more to bring him in line with his truth and to um, change him more and more. And that's what we do hope as Christians. We know and we're confident that when God saves us and makes us right with him, he then begins to change our hearts and to work within us and to bring us more and make us more more like Christ. But he points out that he wants uh, Wormwood uh, to work with another demon in order to try to bring about as much friction and about as much um, conflict in his, this young man's relationship with his mom as much as he can. And he wants him to, to do this. And he gives him a few methods by which to do this. The first thing he says is uh, under point one, he says, and I'm quoting here, keep his mind, talking about this new Christian, keep his mind on the inner life. He thinks his conversion is something inside him, and his attention is therefore chiefly turned at present to the states of his own mind, or rather to that very expurgated version of them, which is all you should allow him to see. Encourage this. Keep his mind off the most elementary duties by directing it to the most advanced and spiritual ones. Aggravate that most useful human of characteristic, most useful human characteristic, the horror and neglect of the obvious. So the first thing he wants him to do is to keep his mind on the inner life. And I love, it's a very interesting, intriguing statement that he says. He says he thinks his conversion, the Christian, he thinks his conversion is something inside him. And his attention is therefore chiefly turned at present to the state's of his own mind. What do you guys think? Can Christians fall into the trap of keeping our minds on the inner feelings and states of subjective experiences? Can we do that too much? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a problem. You keep saying, can Christians do this? And I think the answer is yes. But I even think this is something that hinders people from real faith in Christ, the misunderstanding of what God does 
in us and then how he changes us. Where mm. you talk to people and they'll say something along the lines of something like, that's my spirituality for mm. me. You know, that's just a very personal thing. I don't want other, I don't really let other people into this part of me. You know, it's something I do in my private time or on my, on my own. And so you see it become very individualistic, very self-centered. Uh, but from a Christian standpoint, I think it happens as well, where you hear people say, you know, I don't need to be a part of a church. My relationship with Christ is, is personal. It's a personal experience. Mm. You don't have anything to do with it. Mm. You don't have anything to say into it. And by personal, oftentimes they just mean private. Private is what right. they mean. It's right. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you do have that. I think you also have people who would say, um, when, it, when you talk about being inner, well, I went to the altar and I prayed a prayer and the pastor said, if I did that, I would be saved. Uh, I believe I'm a Christian. I believe I'm saved. And you ask them, well, yeah, but yet you live, you're living your life this way. That don't matter. Christ mm. saved me. And, and you don't really see a, an outer change. And that makes you question an inner change, mm-hmm. right? But they just, to them, it's something just happened on the inside. God mm-hmm. did something. They admitted fault. And they said, I believe in Jesus. Therefore, now I'm a, I'm a Christian. But you don't really see it impact their, mm. their life. Mm. Um, and so it just kind of stays... I don't know, buried deep inside somewhere, I guess. So whenever we say this, we're not denying the fact, right? And I don't think Lewis is saying that either. But as Christians, we know the scriptures teach that whenever we believe in Christ, we are made new creatures in Christ, right? We're born again. So there is... um, We're given a new... inside that does change. Right, there's an inner... We we are given a new heart. So we're not denying that. At the same time, our focus should be outside of ourselves, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not upon our hearts, right? Yeah. Um, And I think that's what, I think that's what uh, Lewis is writing here. And that's what Screwtape is trying to write to Wormwood though, to, to try to focus him and make him obsessed with his inner, inner spiritual Mm -hmm. life. Well, I like, because one of the things that does tend to happen is, is what he says here is he says, um, keep his mind off the most elementary duties by directing it to the most advanced and spiritual ones. Yeah. And you can see that in people too, you know, where they're asking these deep questions of theology, deep mm-hmm. questions of the faith and they seem to ponder those all the time and it's like they're they're missing the whole picture. Right. You're you're missing, you know, the whole thing here of what you should be focused on. I've seen this before, interestingly enough, with this whole demon angel aspect. I've met Christians who are just obsessed with demons and angels and that type of stuff in Scripture, and they want to know it. They want to study it. They want to learn from it. And it's and it's okay to study those things. I'm, I'm not saying we, we shouldn't, but it almost that becomes their life focus. Mm. And you start asking them, like, well, how much like devotional life do you have? How much worship do you do you have? Um, how are your relationships with other people? Uh, how how have you shared the gospel with people recently? And they don't necessarily have those answers, but they think they're strong, faithful Christians because right. I know all about Gabriel. I know all about Michael, right? right. Whatever sure. it might be. And to me, that's some more advanced stuff that they are missing the boat mm-hmm. on the elementary mm-hmm. things. Kind of how Paul would uh, say, um, I, think, I think it was Paul who said this, 
how he would say, I, I want to give you meat, but I can't. Yeah. Right. I still have to give keep you giving milk. you milk like, mm-hmm. like infants. And that's what he's telling them. You guys don't know the elementary stuff yet. Right. Or you're not super secure mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're having all these doubts and these different things. That's mm-hmm. exactly the tactic that right. screw tape is giving to Wormwood here. He, he's encouraging him to not really think about things outside of himself. Notice what he says here. He says he's turned at present to the states of his own mind. And I like what he says, or rather to that very expurgated version <laughs> of them, yeah. which is all. one of the things that I think I see is that people think that they're infallible interpreters of their own and spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're never told that we're, we don't have infallible. Um, so, like we we always bring this up, right? We'll say, "Well, I just know that I met God there whenever I felt His presence." Well, God may have been there in a special way, but don't equate your interpretation of that spiritual experience with spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to trust Christ. And the word, and the, the fact of the matter is those things are both outside of my heart. And we're saved. When we're saved, we're saved by Christ outside of us, mm-hmm. outside and uh, truth outside of me. And, and the word, the Bible is not in my heart. The Bible is right here for me to read, and it needs to change me. And so our gaze needs to be focused outside of ourselves to be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, our focus as Christians is outside of ourselves. It's on God and Christ and upon our neighbor, our neighbor in love. Screwtape points out that whenever we, whenever you're able to do this and keep us thinking about and make people become obsessed with their spiritual life, and honestly, um, one of the things that can happen as well is we become focused so much on our sanctification that we think that our entire Christian life is just about us growing mm-hmm. in, stu- in stuff instead of... Um, growing in Christ, we become obsessed with our, we become uh, just very obsessed with just trying to to change our hearts by ourselves. And also he says it leads to inaccurate interpretations of our interpret, of our, of our internal spiritual experiences. And, and thirdly, neglect of obvious people and duties around us. We forget, you know, you become so obsessed and I can do this myself. I'll speak from experience. I can become somebody who can become obsessed and be like in the clouds mentally, mm-hmm. but there's my kids and they're needing me to make them a grilled cheese. Yeah. I need to be there to take care of my children. And, and one of the temptations is, is we think we're so spiritual that we can no longer do these menial, ordinary right. things yeah. because we think that those are unspiritual things, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but they're not, are they? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're good works now mm-hmm. in Christ. And that's not to say though that I agree. I mean, I agree with everything that you're saying but I do think um, God gives us tasks as Christians that we might be suited for or that he's gifting us, that he's gifting us for. And so focusing on that isn't a bad thing. So what I mean by that is, you know, the, let's say someone's part of our music ministry. They don't need to feel guilty that they're not part of the teaching ministry and they're right. not part of this or, right. or the people cleaning up right. or this or that, right? That's not what you're no. what you're saying. It's It's... We can't be too focused on our job to where it becomes, well, no, I can't do that because I'm on the music team. Right. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I really need you here. No, this right. is what I do. Right. That attitude, it becomes very self-obsessed mm-hmm. like you're, yeah. like you're yeah. talking right. about. But it's not, it's not wrong to be specific in a ministry you know, that you can focus on. So like 
um, a Sunday school teacher needs to devote time to studying yeah. to prepare for Sunday school, and I would say that needs to be their mm-hmm. one of their main focuses. You know, right. I, I wouldn't be happy if a Sunday school teacher came and was like, "Hey, I didn't study. Well, why? Well, I was picking up, you know, around the churchyard, and I was doing this and doing that." I'd be, I would stop that person and say, "Wait, we have other people who can do that. Your task is Sunday school, or right? I need you to focus on that." Right, and so. I, that, again, that's not what you were saying right. there, but I just want to make that a point sure. because even in Scripture, like for us as pastors, it teaches us what? To train people up to mm-hmm. do the ministry. And so that's very difficult for me where you say you can be up where your mind is up in the clouds. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have a hard time getting in the clouds because mm-hmm. my mind is so focused on the tasks mm-hmm. around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm, I lose a day where I don't, I feel I didn't actually do my job that God has called me to of being in the clouds, of trying to think, of trying to do this. And because all I've focused on is weeds in the flower bed, this needs to be done at the church, this needs to be done with my kids, this, this, this. Again, not bad things, but just it's easy for me to lose my focus on what God has actually sure. specifically called me, called me to mm-hmm. there. So yeah. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 comes to my mind. And thinking about this and let us consider how to stir up one another to mm-hmm. love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's not. So what, what screw tape is wanting the, the patient to do is to fall in on himself because if he thinks about others, then he's actually going to stir up others around right. him to do good works, right. which is what, uh, to screw tape the enemy wants, right. yeah, you know? Yeah. Sure. So, so our, our conversion and our, you know, what happens inside of us and it's coming out, it's not just for our growth right. as, as Christians. It's really for those around us. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. we forsake uh, doing those things and encouraging mm-hmm. others, like you're basically just forsaking your own faith. Yeah. Right. right. I think this is one of the biggest struggles with, American Christians is we're so individualized as a society. I've been told my whole life how important I am as an individual from everybody that we really believe that, right? And we really hold on to that to the point to where what you just said, Matt, we don't think about that, Mm -hmm. how, you know, God uses other people to strengthen us and how we need other people. We need to be spurred on to these good works. That's why church becomes just a little side thing. You know, it's kind of nice for me, but whatever, you know, what's really the point? Well, there's actually a big point. Yeah. (laughs) And I think as Americans, we really miss that Mm -hmm. because it's it's just so foreign to us Mm -hmm. to be a part of something bigger outside of us. Yeah. You know, we miss that a lot. Yeah. Luther has this awesome quote from one of his books. It's a famous book. It's a, it's a book on Christian freedom that he wrote early on in his uh, Reformation career. But he said, We conclude, therefore, that a Christian lives not in himself, but in Christ and in his neighbor. Otherwise, he is not a Christian. He lives in Christ through faith and his neighbor through love. By faith, he is caught up beyond himself into God. By love, he descends beneath himself into his neighbor. That's a really powerful reality that we no longer live to ourselves. Um, We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to Christ. And because we belong to Christ, we also belong to our neighbor in love. And I think that's uh, really a challenge for all of us as Christians. 
to remember that our, our identity is no longer in ourselves, it's in Christ, and uh, to get down and to help our neighbors in love, to seek their good, to seek what's best for them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to do. That's really the Christian life, basically. And so um, I think that, in a sense, is capturing what uh, what we should be after if we wish to to fight this temptation that uh, the screw tape is encouraging Wormwood to, to do. Yeah. Uh, secondly, the second thing he encourages him to do is to encourage his prayers for his mother to be always, quote, spiritual. So he's saying you can't stop him from praying necessarily, but you can bend those prayers to mm. our ends. <laughs> and uh, one of the things he says to uh, Wormwood, the, the demon screw tape writes, he says, make sure that they, the prayers, are very, quote, spiritual, that he is always concerned with the state of her soul and never with her rheumatism. Mm-hmm. He goes on to talk about, like, keep him focused on her sins. Yeah. Right. Her because those are spiritual. Because those are spiritual mm-hmm. things. Right. So, right. You know, praying that my mom, the sin of nagging, right? My mom yeah. just keeps nagging me all Please the time. Help her. Just help her with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's, you thing. know, she's a really yeah. bad woman. Her and, problem with anger, right. right? All these different yeah. things, you know? Um, yeah. And then you just get focused on that. And instead of praying for somebody's soul, yeah, You're yeah, praying yeah. for a remodeling project to be done in them. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. patch them up so they're what oh. I want them to be. Now, now, and can't this be the way this is in church life, not only with God, but with each other? We can cloak our complaints in very spiritual language. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, you know, I've been really thinking about this person. You know, they're really struggling with that. In other <laughs> words, what you're really meaning is they're, they're, they're a really mean person. And I really get <laughs> sick and tired of hearing that. You know, but we can cloak it in language of spiritual concern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and isn't it scary when we actually do that with God then? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. He's saying that can be a temptation. Um, well, and, I think it is, a, and it's a hard balance if we're being honest. Yeah, I think. I mean, we do want to pray for people, and yeah, um, we do. I, I think we do see each other's faults, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Bible even tells us to be willing to hear our faults from others and to share our sins with each other and our joys with each other. Um, and that's part of that of examining and seeing. And so, if I'm around somebody at church and they're always angry. Number one, it is annoying to be around them. We don't want to be around them. But number two, we want that to be fixed, maybe sure. out of selfish reasons, but we should want mm-hmm. it to be fixed to glorify to glorify right. God. And so there is this fine line mm-hmm. that you kind of need to walk and, and balance on. And that's where then again, though, it goes more to the self mm-hmm. problem that we have um, because it becomes sinful in our life judging other people because we are so self-obsessed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Wormwood said that just before he started talking about prayer, mm-hmm. saying, help him to focus on these things, but to never even think for a second that himself right. has these problems. Right. Yeah, he, he actually, uh, I mean, earlier in the first point, one of the things he says, you want him to practice self-examination in such a way that he really can't ever see anything about himself. <laughs> right. that if he sat down and talked across from somebody else and said, hey, uh, you're, you're, you're really bad at this thing, right? They <laughs> yeah. could have told him that right away, but he's, he's so blind to himself, and yet through his prayer yeah. life, and he even says he creates false impressions of who his mother actually is. Yeah. So he's developing these false images as if his mother is just a total tyrant mm-hmm. and bad person. Yeah. And so we're so self-obsessed that yeah. within our house, and I'm guilty of this even within my marriage at times, to think she's just doing this because she's out to get me. Like she's mad at me. She knows this will get me mad. And I'm like, 
raising the bar, you know, and then when you finally get down to it, it was like, no, she just dropped that on her way in and by accident, didn't even know she dropped it. But I'm in my head, I'm like, she did this just to spite me. Right. Just to spite me. But that's so being obsessed about myself yeah. that everybody's always just thinking about me and how yeah. they can get at me, yeah. right? Yeah. But we do those right. things. We right. we really do. Right. Yeah, the world the world doesn't start and stop at our convenience. <laughs> right. And it's not all really it's not really all about you. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's ironic, but it's really it's really not. Now, but would you agree? I mean, would you guys agree honestly? I think everybody struggles with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we yeah. really think it's all about us or we really think as I said in the sermon yeah. this week we really think our problems are the biggest problems. Yeah. We really yeah. think nobody faces what we face. Mm-hmm. We really think we're the busiest people in the world or that we are the most important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been trying for a lot of years to get over that, and it, I haven't. <laughs> I, mean, it's just I think difficult. part of that's pride. Yeah. It's oh, Lewis, Lewis has the, uh, in his book on mere Christianity, he's got a part where he talks about pride, and pride is just competition. <laughs> it's not as simply, a, like, so for instance, it's not simply somebody wants to be rich. They want to be richer yeah. than somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. And you're right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to simply have a hard life. That's not good enough. I would, I've got to have it harder than he does mm-hmm. in order for me to brag about how hard I have Right, it. right, exactly. Right? And it's, it's like that with people now. If you ask them, hey, how'd your week go? The the thing is how oh, busy, and it's like, why did you say that? Well, yeah. it's, it was my pride. I want you to think I'm busy, even though that person took a nap on Saturday and right. hung out and did this. Mm-hmm. But to them, busy, busy. Right. The oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so true. I mean, and and you talk about being cur- like another thing. I'll throw another Luther thing, but he always talked about how we are curved in upon ourselves mm-hmm. naturally. Yeah. Sin yeah. makes us, yeah, you know, bend everything back. We that, we have a really uh, messed up lens by which we interpret the world. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's really selfish. So <laughs> so our prayers, he says, always make sure they're spiritual. Never let her be concerned about um, her rheumatism. Always let her be concerned about, always let him be concerned about the state of her soul. And he talks about the prayer and all that stuff. Then, then number three, one of the things he does is that he says, well, hey, Scott. We're, we're all messed up because Scott just walked in. <laughs> hey, Scott. He finally has honored us with his presence. I, I thought you guys would be smooth enough and professional enough just to keep going and roll with the punches. So we have nope. an announcement to make. <laughs> not Scott, apparently not. Scott has arrived in the middle of the podcast. Don't worry, guys. What hard questions do we have? <laughs> we're at, we're at, uh, we're I can at, get them. We're, we're talking three. actually about selfishness, and yeah. you just coming in yeah. worked really well. Right. <laughs> so, Making it all about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it is, you know. Yeah, hey, it's good to see you. No, we're we're just getting to. We're here at point three. Point three, pretty much on um, episode nineteen. There, you'll see it right there. So, um, so oh, one of the last things too. By the way, he uh, he says um, that one of the things he says. Well, before we go on to point two, point three, I, I noticed real quick in the book. One of the things he says is is it's humorous, but it's it's. It's scary. I mean, it's, that's one of the way he writes it. But at the very end, he says about trying to create this imaginary person 
uh, and by the prayers. He says, in time, you may get the cleavage so wide that no thought or feeling from his prayers for the imagined mother will ever flow over into his treatment of the real one. He says, I have had patients of my own so well in hand that they could be turned at a moment's notice from impassioned prayer for a wife's or a son's soul to beating or insulting the real wife or son without a qualm. Yeah. And isn't that the scary truth is yeah. we can, we can live those, those bifurcated lives where on the one hand we think we're being really spiritual. On the other hand, we're, we're total tyrants and. This is why I think how we pray becomes important. Mm -hmm. Like we need to, when we pray, we recognize who God is. I think that's the first thing that we should do and really honor him with that. But then there's a a confession that needs to take place. As we realize who God is, we understand who we aren't. Mm -hmm. And so then we should confess. And so if you kind of follow that, those Mm -hmm. steps, and then the next thing is praying for others. Yeah. It should be harder than at that point to pray for them in a condescending way or to pray for them yeah. in a selfish way because yeah. you just kind of went through a little process of understanding yeah. how small you are in your own sin. Mm-hmm. And so then then laying it before before the Lord, hopefully that would be helpful. I think that's why Jesus kind of sets that up mm-hmm. for us in the Lord's Prayer. But just a thought on how, mm-hmm. to, how to help fight that. Yeah, to cleanse that, that selfishness, hopefully, through the, yeah. through the prayer. Yeah. Number three, he, he then says, um, after encouraging his prayers for his mother to be always spiritual, he says at point three to, that he should highlight the irritating tones of voice and facial expressions that his mother has. <laughs> he says in, in, uh, he says here, he says, when two humans, I'm quoting here, when two humans have lived together for many years, it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expressions of face, which are almost unenduringly, unendurably irritating to the other. And he says, um, and, and make her, uh, you know, really highlight these things um, so that he can also make him uh, think that his wife or, excuse me, his mother here in this situation is doing it on purpose, that she's doing it all just to spite him yeah. and, and such. So do you guys ever experience that? I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had that in my marriage yet, but um, I don't know if you guys <laughs> oh, have. He's talking about his mom. Not oh, marriage. yeah, right. You didn't have yeah. that? Now, did you have that as a kid, though, growing up? Like just things your mom or your dad did, just like come on, are you? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I did. Yeah. But here's the kicker: I find myself sometimes going, "Yeah, my mom would have said what I just said, and I would have <laughs> yeah. been ticked about it." <laughs> yeah, I think we all go. Yeah. Oh no, I'm turning it. Oh on. no. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean. This inevitably happens when you live with somebody for a long time. Just yeah. no matter how much you love them or care for right. them, just little things are gonna gonna oh, get yeah. on your get on your nerves. But like like Wormwood is saying here, don't let your patient see his don't let him think he has any right. facial expressions or tones that he does that gets the mom irritated. Just right. think it's the mother doing it. And that kind of what we said earlier, yeah. it's all just to spite him. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? Like at every moment it's to yeah. spite him. So again, with the selfishness, again, with mm-hmm. the pride and the self obsession, but how, you know, when you really think about this aspect of our home lives, how pitily it is yeah. to get hung up on this stuff, mm-hmm. but how often we do. Yeah. And I think it just comes from, from being tired sometimes, you know, just being cranky, just the weight of life. None of us are perfect. And we let these little things really 
just prick at us mm-hmm. until we want to explode. And I really think the important side of this is to open yourself up to understand your your things that annoy other people. I think that's that was one of the things I was just thinking of was one of the reasons people are prone, I think, to think people are doing this to annoy me on purpose is because sometimes we do that. <laughs> like the reaction that we have to something, we yeah. actually intentionally inflect our voice a certain way or do our eyes a certain way because we are annoyed with it and we are actually trying to subtly communicate that to people. And so our assumption can be that, oh, well, they're, if they're doing this, it must be on purpose. Yeah. You know, we're great at that. I just want everyone to know I, uh, I loaded the dishwasher. Didn't, th- yeah. <laughs> didn't think anybody else would. So I, so I did it, you yeah. know, and it's yeah. like just this jab at everybody. Yeah. As you slam <laughs> the door closed, you yeah. know, it's like, I love you. you know, kind of yeah, but, but we are just so good at it. Right. Yeah. But, and even though, but like you said, those are piddly things. Mm-hmm. They, they have a tendency to build up mm-hmm. and the, yeah. the piddly things can cause severe disruptions mm-hmm. in a marriage and a family and things like that. And so if, you know, me and Alicia, we, we've talked and we've, we always encourage each other that even if there are piddly things that each other are doing to bother each other, let's talk about it because we'd rather talk about mm-hmm. it and have a, a, uh, and uh, a conversation about the piddly things rather than a month down the road be having an all-out argument and fight about something so small and simple. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. um, it's it's good to not ignore those. Mm. Um, I guess this isn't necessarily applied to this, but in some way it does. Uh, Ecclesiastes seven twenty one: Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you who yourself have cursed others. Mm. And point is, though, overall, is that you've done the same things that other people are doing to you. Mm. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, if you if you have irritating habits and tics and quirks, and so having grace with other people uh, that way. And like he says, he can't see himself. So it's easily managed for him to think that everybody else is doing things intentionally, but he doesn't have any of those faults. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always easier for us to see the the uh, speck in somebody else's eye than the the log that is in ours. And so again, that's our need for others, right? Yeah. That Matt talked about earlier, that if you're not a part of a church, if you're not a part of a Christian family, you just don't get that because I don't want the outside world telling me all my faults. I want people close to me who I know love me despite those faults, sharing them with me. And that's what the church is supposed to do together is saying, you know, brother, you keep doing this and it's really irritating to other people or it's sinful and you really need to work on it to know that that's coming from a really loving place. Same way I'm guessing within our marriages, you know, if you're, if you're always nitpicking on these things, like you said, sure. you and Alicia given you guys this freedom to say things. But if it was constant, like again and again and again and again, it'd, it'd get annoying. You'd be like, gosh, just stop already. But there's, there's times when those conversations can take place in a humble manner. Yeah. You know, when you can actually talk about it yeah. lovingly to each other. Yeah. There's, there's, there's wise things to do, like having, times of the week or of the month set aside to sit down and talk to each other mm-hmm. and have those heart to hearts. I mean, you're sitting here bringing it up every single day or, Hey, yeah, you, you did this that annoyed me today. And it was this yesterday. And I wrote, I actually wrote a list of things, you know, it's like, there's, there's wise ways to go about it. And there's unwise post-it ways. notes everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Hey honey, I left you a little note in your Bible here. Yeah. Right could here. you read Just, that? Yeah. Real quick? Take it 
You my snore. Home. You snore in your sleep, and it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah. My house will be filled. Yeah. Hey, your scratchy toenails are annoying too. So <laughs> we better move on. To this yeah, one. I was gonna say Wormwood's wow. working. Yeah, it's great now. <laughs> wow. I mean, one thing though that I did like, I'm, I've had issues in my own life, um, not assuming the best of people Mm -hmm. and like when you get to you all might have already talked about this i don't know but um when you're at a point where you're always assuming the worst about someone Mm -hmm. and never assuming the best about their motives and intentions that that really tends to cause more strife than anything yeah yeah yeah. uh, and that's and it's good that's a good point because that's one of the ten commandments you will not bear false witness against your neighbor and the opposite of that is to put the best possible construction Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, going back to Luther, that was what Luther put in his small catechism in instructing people about the tenth com- Ten Commandments under that commandment is that we are to put the best possible construction upon everything other people say. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that. Mm-hmm. We, put the, we mm-hmm. put the best possible construction on ourselves yeah. and the least charitable one upon other people. Yeah. And most, I mean, that kind of happens in Twitter too, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> a little bit. But uh, So highlight the irritating tones of voice and facial expressions um, between them. Lastly, he says, encourage, he's encur- he says, encourage them to speak harshly to each other and yet be offended that the other person <laughs> takes offense. This is really, this is really humorous. I know no one else has this happen in their marriage, but it does. Courtney struggles with this a lot, but um, it says uh, probably would too if I was married to you. I'm thankful about that. God, honestly. All right. Quote: Your patient must demand that all his own utterances are to be taken at their face value and judged simply on the actual words, while at the same time judging all his mother's utterances with the fullest and most oversensitive interpretation of the tone and the context and the suspected intention. She must be encouraged to do the same to him. Hence, form hence from every quarrel they can both go away convinced or very nearly convinced that they are quite innocent you know the kind of thing i simply ask her what time dinner will be and she flies into a temper once this habit is well established you have the delightful situation of a human saying things with the express purpose of offending and yet having a grievance when offense is taken so I can confess how, how I fell short of this just recently, like even on vacation. Amanda had to take me aside and say, hey, what you said was really rude. And I'm like, well, they asked my opinion. And I just said my opinion. Like, I didn't want, I don't want to go here. I don't want to do this. It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound exciting to me. She's like, yeah, but you could have just said no. <laughs> but you went on into this thing, you know, and I'm like, I just shared my opinion. And she's like, yeah, but how you said it was just really not nice you know not not a good thing and yeah i just i can see how i struggle with this all the time i've always been told to share my thoughts and my feelings and like in the family my family life that's what we did if i had a problem with you i said it and you said it back Mm -hmm. to me right and we went back and forth and then it was done then we were over we didn't hold that stuff in it Mm -hmm. was just sharing and didn't really take offense to it too much but I can see how that comes across as very offensive and probably at times I mean it to be offensive if I'm being, if I'm being honest, but it's very easy to just slide into that mode instead of just like Amanda said, could have just said, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Why'd you have to keep going into that Mm -hmm. there? But yeah, it's, it's this thing. It's like, well, if they take offense to it, it's their fault. 
They should toughen up, right? right. <laughs> I mean, it can be right. easy to get that attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man, that situation there that you just described, like you can, as a, as a married person, like you can see that as being such a nuisance and a pest to have somebody like that in your life that would sit there and tell you that, hey, like you were really rude when you said that. Or mm-hmm. as a Christian, you can look at that and see what a gift from God mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. Somebody to help you grow in godliness like that, yeah. to to see things that you're blind to, maybe, you know, like I know the same thing you just said about Alicia's done that for me too, and like we as Christians have a choice to see that as a gift mm-hmm. from God, and it is. It's a marriage is a sanctifying thing, and if you've got a a godly husband or a godly wife that cares for you in that way, man, like you should you should see that for what it is and a gift, yeah. you know. I, for some reason, just have this skill and ability to know what to say to just trigger people. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just really, I'm really good at it. Like, I know if I just say this in this way and in this tone, it's going to tick him off and he's going to go off or it's going to freak them out or it's going to scare them or I'm going to get my way. Like, if I, if I word this this way, we're going to Taco Bell. I don't have to eat Wendy's again. I can I can work I can work my way into this. And while that sometimes is a great skill to have, oftentimes it turns into this though what we're talking about. Right. About of using it as a weapon to be selfish or using it as a weapon yet yeah, to almost dehumanize people mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. And it can be it's it's hard and it, it's difficult yeah. to control. I right. I find anyways. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, all of this goes back to the fact that we're we're not really concerned about the interest of other people. Mm-hmm. We're concerned about ourselves. Yeah, we're always curved back in on our self interest, mm-hmm. um, and we have, and it shows to that extent in our flesh. And we we have not experienced the true freedom of the Christian life, mm-hmm. which is to be free from trying to earn mm-hmm. our standing with God, yeah. and now we're set free to love our neighbor, um, and. So we haven't been set free in order just to uh, make much of ourselves or do like what you're saying, like, you know, just um, what you said you struggle with, which is, uh, um, you know, with, you know, using your words for your selfish purposes. Um, I know other people that struggle with that, not me, but, yeah. you know. Or just speaking I mean, <laughs> my mind. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Scripture says some, the fool just runs his mouth sometimes. And I mean, I yeah. can feel that. Just speaking my mind, I, I'm in a position where I work, where people want my opinion, yeah. right? And so it yeah. becomes very natural yeah. to share opinions, like this is what I think, this is what right. should happen, blah, blah, right. blah, blah. Right. Well, then there's times that shouldn't happen in my life. Like, Tim, just shut up and right. listen, or right. just sit back, right? right? That's the wisest thing to do. Yeah. But it can be hard sometimes to, to turn that off. Yeah. You know, it's like, sure. my kids don't need pastor tim right now telling them this they just need me to be quiet and be here or whatever right or friends or whatever the case might be and so i mean since you can make fun of me all you want that's that's fine and (laughs) get on my case (laughs) now listen it's a good thing courtney's not here too to give testimony time so um but yeah i think i think overall though that's what it does it's like it goes back to the very first point keep his mind on the inner life keep him focused on himself and if you can keep him focused on himself then he won't take notice of other people and actually be concerned about about them yeah yeah and we miss you know and it's it is hard because like scott was mentioning you miss 
the positive of the people you live with. Yeah. Like you're yeah. letting that get on your nerves, but actually you can also see it as a as a gift from God that right. this is happening. And same with our children. Our our children can really get on our nerves after a while. And yeah. when you really stop and think about why are they getting on my nerves? Oh, they're a kid and they're acting like a kid. Like why do I expect right. them not to do that? And this is they're actually a gift that God has given me or or my wife, you know, these little things can start to add up. But then all, all it could take maybe is a nice night away mm-hmm. or something like that with your wife right. where everything settles down and all of a sudden it's back to happiness again. And you're like, those things are so dumb. I can't believe sure. I'm worried about them. But it just, yeah, like you said, just the selfishness that we have to think life revolves around us and everybody's out to give. And I think one of the, the, it's part of this lie that we have to keep fighting all our lives long is that the way for me to be happy is for me to take care of myself. Right. And that's a lie. Yeah. But, but, and that's, that's the thing we're, we're, we're we're fighting so hard to take care of me and to, for me to defend myself, for me to, to feed and take care of myself, for me to nourish myself internally or whatever. And actually, it's the total opposite. Mm-hmm. It's whenever I rest in Christ and whenever I, I just, like you said, my kids, one of the things that, that's wonderful about having children is they re- remind me that the world isn't all about me and they demand my attention. Mm-hmm. And they remind me that the world isn't just all about Spencer Snow because I have to be reminded of that a lot. Yeah. My and, family life is best when I'm being faithful to God and being sacrificial yeah. for my family for my wife or for my kids, and when I'm not expecting something in return. Yeah. So again, that's all hinging on me and my relationship with God and my attitude, not them. Yeah. To where I'm loving my wife well, you know, I'm loving my kids how I'm supposed to, because scripture tells, the speaking like to men, us to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Just as Christ sacrificed for his church, you sacrifice. And, mm-hmm. and that's where I find myself to be happiest Mm-hmm. when I'm doing it with the right motives, yeah. right, and the right heart. And that's not limited. I mean, we've got to be careful. That's not limited to just your relationship with your wife sure. or with a mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I found that true to be, to be true lately, even with my own neighbors that mm-hmm. I live next to. You know, we're putting up this new fence, and I'm having to work with, like, four of my neighbors to do this. And I have found that the conversations about it generally go better when I offer to do things for them. So like self, the, the idea of self-sacrifice rather mm-hmm. than me putting this expectation on them that they're going to do this and they're going to do it the right way. Instead, I offer to help them with this or I buy this for them and I, I front the, the mm-hmm. bill for mm-hmm. that or I do the hard work for this. You know, like that, that tends to make your relationships go better. Yeah. And you have much happier neighbors mm-hmm. and much less strife yeah. in your life when yeah. you choose to sacrifice. But it's really hard, if we're being honest, to do the sacrificing mm-hmm. and nobody notice. Yeah. Like that, I remember that was a big hurdle for me, even just in my marriage, of understanding it's not about her noticing. God's just telling me to sacrifice. If she doesn't notice, that's on her. But that shouldn't affect shouldn't affect me, and so it'll be hard, right, for you and your neighbor. Next thing you know, you're buying five fences and you're fronting all this, and no one's noticing. It's like, come on, here. There's a there's a reasonable limit here. <laughs> <a> reasonable limit. <laughs> right, uh, Alicia, time to move. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't say anywhere in scripture like, hey, do the sacrificing, and everybody's going to notice and they're going to love you. Not right. that's not the promise. Right. 
Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Yeah, right. right? You let your Father in heaven see it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything else will take care of itself, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been a great discussion, guys. I hope... um, hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope the people listening are enjoying it. And I hope you, uh, if you have a chance and you want to check out the Screwtape Letters, please read them. And um, if you if you like what you're hearing. And um, always remember when you're reading the Screwtape Letters, again, I always have to say this, but like, this is a limited piece of literature. It's, it's don't take it for more than it's claiming to be. It's not a, it's not like a systematic theology or some kind of uh book telling you exactly what demons do and what demons don't do but it's it's a very helpful book about i think uh kind of uh in a way it's an indirect uh you're kind of watching yourself in an indirect way um through the book and uh in some ways it's disarming and you're able to receive it uh hard spiritual truths um in ways uh, that maybe you normally wouldn't so um, it's, it's a good book. Please pick it up if you want to. And um, we hope you're enjoying this. And we, we hope to catch you next week. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye.